Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. It's, it's tough getting finding like-minded people yes, to is. work along with you. People who will not just talk about things or and talk about you behind your back, but will actually come in and provide the resources, whether that's sweat equity, whether that's intellectual property. About 20 minutes on the phone, and I mean, we didn't even know each other, but it sounded like we did after we, you know, continued to talk. So, all right, man, this is Anthony Roberts, host of The Reality Is Where Filter Becomes Extinct. This is episode 80. I have guests, Melon Origins, in the studio today. We got the homeboy Lou McClain. We can say your name again, man. Frank Minicon. Okay, I knew Frank, but I didn't know the Minicon part. I was <laughs> like, okay, I want to make sure I pronounce that right. How you guys doing today, man? Doing great. That's what's up, man. So I was just talking to you before we got on the mic, and we were talking about how um, I knew Jeremiah, and I told you through Michelle Williams. Shout out to Michelle Williams. She is the president of Urban League Young Professionals in Dallas. They turned over a new leaf. You know, if anybody knows about Urban League, they kind of had some, uh, I won't say racketeering. That sounds very bad, but it was embezzling <laughs> yeah, or something of money. White collar crime. <laughs> So I know they had some negative stuff going on, but you know, with Michelle and them, they're turning over a new leaf, man, and they're doing some big things here in Dallas. So shout out to Michelle, shout out to uh, Herbert. So we definitely want to keep everything going with them. So today is going to be all about Melanin Origins, man. I want to start out with Louis, and I want you to tell us what it is about Louis McLean that people may need to know. <laughs> you can you can embellish it if you want to. <laughs> oh, Louis McLean. I'm good at that. <laughs> all right. I'm from Arlington, Texas, born and raised Arlington, Texas. I went to Pensacola Christian College in Pensacola, Florida. I have a bachelor's in criminal justice. I um, uh, worked in the juvenile justice field for over seven years, volunteering part-time, full-time. And uh, all I want to do is make a difference in the life of a troubled youth. All right. Currently, I work for American Airlines, but as of recently, I created Melanin Origins LLC, which is a children's book company. We write uh, children's books about African-American pioneers, all right? So Booker T. Washington, Ida B. Wells, Marcus Garvey, Frederick Douglass, we go full-fledged in. What we, uh, through the research that, that we did, we realized that for children in grades, in second grade and below, uh, there are not historical accounts of our leaders. Yeah. There are not historical accounts of our of our leaders so we found a void and we're filling that gap and we're telling these stories and we're making it very fun and exciting for children that's what's up man so how did you and frank meet to get this started oh well first off frank is my <laughs> he's frank is my mentor okay? okay he's my mentor so whenever i came from back home from florida i worked in juvenile out there for about a year and a half when i came back here frank was one of the uh top supervisors 
Um, so me and him just hit it off. Plus, FYI, we both are Liberians. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we we both are Liberians, so we definitely represent Mother Africa. Um, and so we just we just hit it off. Okay. As soon as as soon as um, um, the thought came to my mind, I reached out to Frank. We put the business plan together. We did the research and. We, we, we came up with this concept like last year around this time yeah. and we, we sat on it well actually we did the research and we waited until January 1 so we can go ahead you know for tax purposes and yeah. um, incorporate and do all of that but um, we, we've been hitting the ground running just going 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 hard so how important is it and I asked Frank this pose a question to Frank how important is mentorship because it's big that he says that a lot of times and you know when we talk about mentorship it honestly with that it keeps a younger generation from making mistakes that older generations make, but a lot of times I tell people when it comes to mentoring, a lot of people don't want to put in the, the legwork. And a lot, a lot of times when people think about mentorship, they think about mentoring kids. Mm -hmm. But it's like adults still need guidance. You know, right. we still need, uh, you know, guidance and, and information on what to do next and what to do, you know, how to do something better. So, what got you into mentoring and wanting to mentor to Louis? <laughs> okay, well, first of all, there wasn't anything specifically that got me into it. Okay, but um, but you know, certain characteristics that you have as an individual certain leadership skills that you have some people they really value that yeah. and uh, when you when you recognize that there's um, you know a certain group of people who especially some younger people yeah. who might um, consistently ask you for your opinion or ask you for advice and things like that or they'll just straight out tell you that the things that they want to do in life are the things that you you're already doing or yeah. they, they they see you as some type of model then you kind of inherit that position, yeah. you know. So, I, but I think it's important for for everybody to um, seek out a mentor because that you know that allows you to recognize what it is that you want to do in life, and yeah. then seek out those individuals that are either on their way doing it or doing it already. Yeah. You know, so essentially, um, your future is their past. They've already done the things you want to do. Okay. So you reach out to those individuals, and you, um, you know, you link up with them, and and you become, you know, you become a student. You know, you become a I mean, I like to call them my my proteges. <laughs> you know, I have I have younger brothers, yeah. and um, you know, it's just something that that we constantly talk about. We talk about life. Like yeah. we didn't, you know, he he looks at me as a mentor because of the things we talk about in life. You know what I'm saying? But in those conversations, you know, we talk about you know what it is that that, that you want to do. What what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? And what do we need to do for to you as a happen. person yeah. to get there? So. You guys talked about you from Liberia. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you did research on to find out where your origins come from, or is it something that your family Melanin passed down? Melanin origins. Okay, and that's, yeah. and see, that's what I tried to figure out. <laughs> and the reason I asked that is because I know a couple of years ago I did the uh, Ancestry.com, and okay. I found out that I was, I think, Nigerian. Right. And I was yeah, like, like, yeah, Nigerian. and I was like, okay. And they were like, so when they did the descriptions of it, before my, I was taking um, African-American studies class, my professor was like, well, you know, most of the Nigerian men are shorter flathead and around I was like damn man, I don't know if that's a great description of what I but you know she looked at those yeah, things and when certain, I did it yeah. it came back to be so so is that right. something that you guys did or was it like passed down in storytelling through you know through your well, uh, family let, tree let me, let, me start with that. <laughs> let me start with that because um honestly my both of my parents are from Liberia yeah okay now we can go back right so we could say uh, obviously there was a slave trade and then slaves came to the US yeah. and then the, some of the free slaves um, went and they settled in Liberia and they mm -hmm. set up there. Yeah. So we can go back into all of that and say, okay, we really don't know where we're from, right? Yeah. But multiple generations of my family come from Liberia. 
my mom was uh, Miss Liberia in 1974. Okay. Uh, whenever the coup happened in, 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 in Liberia, um, 1980, uh, where they killed the president. The president is my great uncle. Okay. All right. And so, yeah, we, our history goes 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 back. Right. And my parents, well, my father, uh, my father's family is from Liberia, mm -hmm. and uh, my mother's family is actually from Ghana. Okay. So they, um, you know, my mother went to school in Liberia, and they met in Liberia. Yeah. And then my father came to the states kind of scouted the scene a little bit um in the 70s and then went back to liberia to get my mother and then they had uh, our brothers and sisters here yeah so we were you know first generation uh, american born liberians okay okay uh, our parents are from there so why start melanin origins what's the importance behind it what's the goal behind it what is it that you're looking to get or for something that you want people to know about melanin origins and why you started it okay melanin origins because we must know who we are, where we come from, and we must know that there are positive examples out there that we can model after today, okay? So uh, a child today uh, is going to hear uh, the radio, they're gonna hear Young Thug, Gucci Mane, they're gonna hear all kind of, you know, whacked out Sauce foolishness, man. right? <laughs> <laughs> not, hey, not necessarily talking about down on, yeah. on the rappers themselves, you know, because for entertainment, you know, they, 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 it serves their purpose. Yeah. But I'm talking about the specific messages that, that these children that permeates through their psyche, right? So they keep hearing a bunch of negative things. Whenever they turn on TV today, they see a bunch of negative things. Uh, back to back to back. Blacks are criminals, thugs. We're getting gunned down in the street. And everything is just negative about that, right? And so we want to make it so fun for them to learn about um, African-American figures who did major exploits in their time yeah. and who did things um, when times were even harder than they are today. Yeah. So personally, if you go to a bookstore and you find a book on, on you know, African-American history, you're most likely, I mean, look, it's a white man right now. I'm, 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 exactly. I'm not going to say that. Look, <laughs> he said he's a host. Yeah, I said. <laughs> when, when you look at the cover of a book, you yeah. see nothing but struggle across that cover. You you see like you see slavery, you see civil rights, you see someone like going through pain. They're not even smiling half yeah. of the time. Yeah. And what kind of a cover? Like, how is that going to um, inspire me to want to do something great or? Uh, like, so we decided to switch the whole frame up, yeah. right, to show nothing but happiness, to show um, leadership, teamwork, to, you know, encouraging words yeah. um, so that so that children can say, oh, wow, that looks like me. Oh, he actually did exist. Yeah. I can do those things, too. And I think that's important because it's funny that you say that because so many times when these slave movies come out, like I didn't watch the, the new roots, yeah, you know, right, yeah. I went and saw, um, what did I just go see? Birth of a nation with, uh, oh, Nat, yeah. Nate Turner. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a good movie. Yeah, um, we got an early, uh, premiere to go see it. Mm -hmm. And one thing I liked about the movie without telling it is they do show the togetherness mm -hmm. and how they were together. And it's like a lot of people I talked to, they were like, I don't want to see another slave movie. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's just, it's not just another slave movie. How many slave movies did you see where they had a rebellion? Mm -hmm. You may have heard about it, right. but I even think in Hollywood they're conscientious about showing exactly. black people coming together. Exactly. Even when you think about police and a lot of thing, uh, a lot of stuff going on with police that's happening in America right now, I cannot remember the name that they used, but even in that movie, they policed the way blacks kind of hung out. Mm -hmm. 
So even now, if you go in the hood and there's 10 brothers on the corner, police going to pull up. Even if you're not doing nothing, they're going to pull up and say, hey, what y'all doing out here? Right. Break that up. Go this way. Go that way. It even shows how that was in that movie, uh-huh. Birth of a Nation. It was a part where they knew how strong Nat Turner was. And they were like, hey, we don't want we don't want to see you assembled with a group of people. If we do, we're going to break that up. Right. We don't want that happening. And he put wow. somebody on him to watch mm-hmm. him to keep that from happening. White people, if we could just get our people to know, black people to know, white men already know that if we come together as a conglomerate, how strong that can be if we work together. So I think it's big of you to to start doing these books and writing these books and introducing it to children at a young age because, like you say, they don't know. Right. They growing up, they grow up seeing seeing white superheroes. They grow right. up seeing white men as attorneys and lawyers and doctors and stuff like that. That's and God. now you, yeah. And you're starting to see that now. You said it's God. Yeah, it's God. I was going to say, because even in all those, you know, movies from back in the day, like Noah and all those movies that they're making, it wasn't a white man back then. Right. So they're showing that. So what's your um, what's your thought process of Louis and what he's doing with Melanin Origins? Well, you know, um, everything that he said, of course, and then also, you know, it goes a little bit deeper than that, because when you talk about images and you talk about the, the, the uh, population that we're addressing all the population that we're advertising to, you know, our niche market, you're talking about young people, yeah. you know, so when you talk about that and you talk about, you know, what it is that, you know, at the end of the day, it goes beyond, you know, what we're seeing. Yeah. You know, you talk about the subconscious, you talk about the messages, all of that. And, and if you talk about it, talk to anybody that's in advertising, you know, they cater to the subconscious. They, yeah. you know, when you, the subconscious, I read it in a book somewhere is that the subconscious cannot take a joke, right? So it's very important for us to be able to write these stories and, and have these illustrations to show these kids that you can do some great things and the people that have done great things in the past, they do look like you. you yeah. know, we have this information. These are true stories. In the books, we do have the, the great illustrations. And then at the end of the books, we do have the actual picture of the individual to let them know that, hey, this is more than just a story. This is a real individual. Yeah. You know, so we're catering to their subconscious at an early age to get them to believe yeah. that they can do these things. But I think it's know? important to do that and cater to the subconscious because subconsciously, we're being programmed every day to exactly. television. Right. Everything you know, else. Everything you do. Right. And a lot of times people will say, like you say, for instance, if you don't have a father mm-hmm. at home and then you watch TV and it shows a fatherless black family and the kid he's in the streets and he's selling drugs like that's not your only option right i've done some things that i'm not proud of but and i didn't have my father in the home but my mother like they don't ever show like the strength of the mother mm-hmm. that keeps the child intact that gets right. the child to go to college that gets and always supports the child they right. only show one perspective of that and right. i think it's important that you guys are tackling the subconscious um of the kids minds so how fun is it to work with kids who not to be funny know how to read because people act like white america will make it seem like we don't know how to read we don't know how to comprehend and we don't know how to understand so how big is it to work with kids who do know how to read and who's giving you guys ideas on what kind of books they want to read or what kind of books they want to see can i can i answer this real quick (laughs) you know and i and i just when i think about what you just asked me i think about my kids first right i think about my kids and 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 it kind of goes back to you know something that i discussed with louis before yes we're authors you know yes we're 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 editors we have this company we create these books but we're parents we have children and when we look at our children we think about the world that we want to create for them like we want to do our part to create something yeah. for our children so, so the world could be better for our children yeah so um you know it's, it's a lot of fun especially dealing with our own kids because i realize and i'm sure louis can tell you as well you know my kids 
um, you know, their script, the things that are on their mind, the things that they talk about, the things that they think about, has everything to do with, with not necessarily only what they learn in school, yeah. but what we talk about at home. Exactly. You know, my kids ask me questions about George Washington Carver. My kids ask me questions about Ida B. Wells. My, my little girl, you know, my kids yesterday, we were in the car and they were singing a rap about Brick by Brick, which is the name of our book. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were freestyling <laughs> about, you know, I was like, Daddy, we yeah. should make a song about yeah. this. You know, because they're thinking about Booker T and they're thinking about Ida B and they're thinking about, you know, Mansa Musa because we've introduced these, you know, this information to the children. Yeah. Um, and so, and at the same time, we understand how important it is um, for literacy purposes and introducing something that is enjoyable to, ch I mean, they're children. Yeah. They have to have fun in doing the things that they're doing. You have to, if you talk to any teacher, they'll tell you when they're teaching kids anyway, yeah. they try to make it fun. They try to make it interesting. Yeah. I hated history when I was a kid. Right. Why? Because of the, the, the content. Yeah. It wasn't no fun to learn about these folks. And you didn't see yourself. Exactly. So it wasn't fun. I didn't see myself. So why would I be interested in that? Yeah. So working with kids, you know, the kids, I mean, there's so many kids, like even the, the young lady that we were talking about before we yeah. came on air. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see these smart children who were introduced to certain, um, you know, the importance of literacy, number one. And then, you know, because it brightens them, it broadens their mind, it yeah. broadens their creativity. I mean, there's, there's nothing. I mean, it makes everything limitless, yeah. really. And it's really, really enjoyable and satisfactory. So, so to piggyback on something you just said, uh, you said we're, right, so we're starting them very early, right? And a lot of children end up, uh, the ones that do end up dropping out of school or yeah. getting into any kind of, you know, uh, antisocial activity, they do so and their grades start failing because they're not interested in the subject matter. They don't feel like it's relevant to them, it's not fun to them, and I mean, who, who's in the inner city wants to really, really get in, interested about Macbeth, yeah. you know, or Homer and, and the, the, the Odyssey, right? Whenever we have scores and hundreds, really, of African-American pioneers that did great, wonderful things that can resonate in the psyche of these young black people to say, oh, whoa, you know, I, I can do more, I can be more, I can be great and excellent. Uh, the way how our book starts, going back to the subconscious, um, talk about brick by brick, it, start, it starts off with Booker T uh, working on, on, on something. He has a bunch of tools around him and it says, brick by brick, we can get the job done by laying one brick at a time. I thought you were about to start singing a song. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you turn the page, and I'm, uh, for those, you know, you're not watching it, but I'm, I'm going off the dome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am going off the dome, man. We freestyling right here, man. All right. <laughs> Next page says, do you see this magnificent building? I built this with my very own bare hands. So if you just look at page one, it says brick by brick, we can get the job done by laying one step at a time. When, once a child really grasps that concept, they'll understand that they can only that they need to focus on one thing at a time yeah. and to never give up. Mm -hmm. They can accomplish what they want to achieve if they just take one step at a time. Second page, he says, you see this magnificent building. I built it with my... I did not know that Booker T. Washington and his students built the Tuskegee Institute until two, three years ago. I'm 30 years old. I didn't know until just now. Right. You understand? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm 30 years old. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. So when children start learning about these things ever since, uh, wow, four, five, six years old, yeah. they're destined for greatness. They're destined to become interested in the subject matter and to, 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 to pursue 
black excellence. And that's the main thing about our companies. We want to get children interested in being great whenever they're young yeah. and everyone else is telling you that you're a criminal and you're a thug. And you could be something bigger. It's funny because you read on the page two and I was reading on page three and it said, well, okay, I did have a great deal of help for a few from a few of my good friends. And it's funny because it's leading into the next topic I wanted to ask you guys about how important is teamwork when building something like Melanin Origins and the teamwork that you guys have because we all know about the crab in the barrel syndrome right. with black America. Right. I've experienced it with this podcast. Yeah, right. I've experienced it with right. my business. So with you guys, how important is teamwork and how important do you think teamwork is to uh, to show that we can work together to young kids. Right. Thank, thank, thank you so much for asking that question. Thank you. Because not only have I uh, have I done this before, I've also created a nonprofit in the past about five, six years ago to help um, ex-offenders get connected with jobs. And then also um, we created a project, I created a project to help kids in Liberia get scholarships to go to school, to college. And we uh, granted over nine scholarships then. But it's been it's, it's it's tough getting finding like-minded people yes, to is. work along with you people who will not just talk about things or and talk about you behind your back but will actually come in and provide the resources whether that's sweat equity whether that's intellectual property um whatever it is financial it is it, it's so sweat hard equity and, like that. <laughs> yes. and it's yeah. it, it's very it's very actually it's like I thank God every day for Frank, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, I thank God every day because yeah. the thought that I have with, with this company, I initially reached out to a few other people, and I mean, who could not, you know, consistently attend meetings, yeah. you know, who could not consistently, um, you know, deliver, even though it was. I just asked you for a thought. Uh, what do you think the vision should be? I know. I what do you that. Like, What do you think the name of the company should be? And you know, two months later, they have nothing. Oh. You wanted that already? Yeah, we have deadlines. What do you mean? Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to accomplish something. And this is a great, like, we're, we're working on Oh, my. Oh my. So, so <laughs> I, I don't want to get too Touch personal. The nerve you know, so, and, and it's so important because I know so many times, with, like I said, with the podcast, people, it's been people who have been here and then they're gone. Right. And then people will email or they'll text and they'll say, where is this person at? And I always embellish it a little bit. And I'm like, hey, they went on to bigger and better things. When in actuality, they didn't. <laughs> but it's like you try to be, you know, you don't want to be the crab in the barrel that's pulling them down. So right. you're like, let me put, let me, let me say something good about it. Because right. you know what? Even if you say something good about them, when they hear it, they know what they did or didn't do. Right. All you can do is keep doing what you're doing. And hopefully that dream of people saying, hey, keep doing it, Louie. Hey, keep doing it, Frank, is going to pay off. Because a lot of times I hear that and I'm like, when it's gonna pay off, right, right, you know, right. to where you're like, I'm losing people. Am I doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, how can I be doing something wrong when I'm the one that's putting up the front money? Right. I'm putting in all the ideas. Exactly. So, man, keep doing what you're doing, bro. It will pay <laughs> off. Yeah, I, I know that <laughs> you you reach here and you reach there. You you, you have proposals and you have uh, different you know things that you try to um, different projects that you try to, to pursue. And you know, whenever. Uh, they reach back to you they give you a laundry list of things that's almost impossible for one person to to uh, come up with you know from accounting to you know the whole marketing strategy I mean just it's almost impossible for one person with the scope of things that we try to do things on right yeah so teamwork is very important and we teach that just like you said we teach that in in our book Booker T Washington was called down from the Northeast to be a leader in, in, in uh, of Tuskegee Institute and the school, the, the building that they were in, 
they decided, you know what, we're going to come together and uh, build this up for ourselves. They made the bricks, they built the building, and whenever you have people that have has the same vision as you, you have to keep them around and utilize those resources. And it's, it's always best whenever they're willing to do that as well. Exactly. So I'm reading this book. I'm still reading. For anybody who gets this book, first of all, it's not going to be hard for your kids to read. It's good comprehension, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think comprehension is always key. I think a lot of times, especially for black people, we try to show how smart we are. And sometimes we end up talking over people's heads mm-hmm. when if we just talk normal, right. we can reach more people. Exactly. So I'm reading this and it says, and together we were able to do some great things. And although this is melanin origins, you know, and it's specifically for blacks, mm-hmm. seemingly, mm-hmm. you got a white dude in here. And I don't know if this is Asian, dude. I know. I know. Spanish, I know. Yeah. 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 What about cultural competency? Exactly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But the thing, yeah. the key is, for me, just looking at it as an adult, subconsciously, by a kid, they'll see this and say, uh, page one, black. Page two, a black person. Page three, a black person. Page four, Hispanic and white. Mm-hmm. Which shows them what Sesame Street actually does, too. With all the, you know, Big Bird being yellow, uh, the dude in the track, <laughs> Cookie Monster being blue. Like, it's really showing you the di- the dynamic of how many different people are in this world and how yeah. you can work together. Because even on Sesame Street, there's differences. Mm-hmm. But it's teaching you to work together with people that are different from you. Why that does not coexist and, and go over and carry over into the lifestyle mm-hmm. of white people right. and other people who don't like blacks, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. But I think that's important that you have this in your book, that you have black kids working Working, but at the end, when the end product is done, they didn't do it alone. Right. And I just got through, I haven't put the podcast out, but I did another podcast before today by myself. And I was talking about how, personally, I don't want to have another town hall meeting with all black people. Mm-hmm. We already know what we want. Right. We already know what we don't like. Mm-hmm. We don't. We, we know what how being mistreated feels. We need to be sitting down with white people. I don't care if they're racist mm-hmm. and don't agree with anything that we do. We can't make them understand and we can't understand them if we don't talk to them. Right. If we don't show some kind of consistency of us being able to come together and try to break ground. Right. This book is showing that too. Exactly. Depending on how you look at it. Depending on how you look at we it. We can see that, but subconsciously, what you guys are tackling with kids, it's showing it right here in the book. Mm-hmm. They may not know, but they gonna, when they go back and look, if they read this at 8 and they read it at 12, it's just like when we watch a movie at 15 and we watch it now at 30, we'll be like, I didn't even know they was talking about sex. Right. He said, hey, baby, let me go in the room and I'll see you in a minute. And he went this out. Right. We laughing, but we didn't know he was talking about something. He about to smash. <laughs> right. Right. So it's all about tackling the subconscious to where it's still there. And when you watch it later, it's like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Exactly. So, I mean, that's good with the book. And I did want to ask you something about the gravel and the barrel mentality. Earlier this week, Ray Lewis had comments on... Uh, Colin Kaepernick. So you already know where I'm going? See, I, I, I didn't know nothing about it until my girl put me up on game. So in so many words, he said, Colin was a baby when Rodney King got beat by the police. There are people on the streets doing what Colin has done, uh, been doing for years. Others deserve to be on the front of the magazine. He was on the front of Time, 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 Time Magazine. Why, Why is it? It doesn't matter who's on the front of Time Magazine if he's standing up and doing something that's right. right. Not to be funny, those people who are doing it, not to be funny, we doing this podcast. We don't have the weight that Colin Kaepernick holds. Mm-hmm. So we can say all of this, but if he's echoing the same sentiments and he has a platform to do so, and he's getting hit in the pocket for it, and people want to kill him, I applaud it. Right. right. And, you know, and, and that's, to me, that's, that's the message that you would think a person like Ray Lewis would have on his mind. Yep. You know, like right now, just like we're talking about togetherness in your you know, previous statements, you were talking about how important it is to work together in this Crabs in the Brow Syndrome. You know, as a, as a person like Ray Lewis and seeing what Colin Kaepernick's doing in uh, in the NFL, 
you should have you should you should be thoughtful enough to say okay it's very important that even if i have a certain opinion about this brother you know I support him or I have supportive words for him. We yeah. don't say, well, he's doing that, but there's people, you're like you're minimizing what he's doing, doing yeah. because people in the street's been doing this forever. Okay, but the fact of the matter is Colin Kaepernick has a platform yeah. and he's utilizing this platform to get his message across. Yeah. So let's just stick with that. And that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem that I've been having, yeah. talking to people at work, talking to people wherever about the situation. Is that and I always bring it up because every time we discuss it, yeah. the first ten minutes of it is what he's doing, not why he's doing, doing it. Her. Exactly. Can we get to why he's doing That's it? That's the biggest thing. You know, let's talk about that. Yeah. Talk about how he's feeling and why his why. Why is he bringing attention to this issue? Not he's kneeling down and we talk about that for fifteen minutes. He's disrespecting military and we talk about that for fifteen minutes. Oh, there's people in the streets that have been doing this for twenty years and we talk about that for twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, let's just talk about why this man is doing this. I'll tell this. you one thing. I went to school for media. <laughs> media tells you how to think. Mm-hmm. And that's why the media does that. Of course. Because if they dance around it long enough, mm-hmm. they know they're going to frustrate somebody to where people are going to be like, you know what, just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And when we say forget about it, we never get to the yeah, issue. Yeah, let's not talk about right. it. Yeah. Right. So with him getting to the issue, I, Ray Lewis, I would have said call him. If you got an issue with him like that, just give him a call. You know you have access. Right. You got access. He's yeah, going to pick Ray, up the you're phone. You're Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis lucky he got off of his charge. That's all I got That's the biggest that. thing, too. He's just lucky because he, he would be another uh, incarcerated, discriminated. Yeah. Right. You know, he's, he's lucky he had the funds to get off of that. And he's yeah. trying to keep his funds and focus away from what's real. Yeah. And I said the same thing. I think in his position with him having that on his record, he's quiet. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's only certain things you're going to say before somebody demonizes you. He could right. easily go with him and say, hey, it's no different from Nat Turner. Nat Turner mm-hmm. and this rape allegation is hovering over this movie. Right. He's made about 15 movies. Mm-hmm. But they don't come out until he writes a movie right. about black people rebelling and he killed white people in the process mm-hmm. at that point. Right. That's when it came out about him raping his then girlfriend. Exactly. And the, and the thing about even Ray Lewis and, and most people that are in sports or entertainment or whatever it is. You know, you were able to do something um, to make people forget about what you did, which is you won. You know what I'm saying? You won Super Bowls. You were successful. You know what I'm saying? In in your craft, whether it's football, it's it's musician, whatever it is. You know, just like and and I, you know, I don't knock anybody. Yeah. But is another example is Kobe Bryant. Everybody loves Kobe now. Yeah. There was a period of time where everybody hated Kobe for what he was doing and and, you know what happened with the whole situation in Colorado and all that. But guess what? Once he starts winning, yeah. Once he starts making money for the Lakers and and bringing in rings and going to the finals, it's all love now. Now we all love Kobe again. You know what I'm saying? So hushmouth too. Yeah. Has to be right. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 have the ability with with their sport. To make people forget is because at the end of the day, the bottom line is what counts for the people and the organizations that they deal with. Now, he works for ESPN or whoever he works with. So it's like, okay, well, I want to make sure I don't mess that up. Yeah. So I'm going to say something yeah. that's going to you know, discredit or minimize what this man is doing no, that instead makes of sense. getting on code. So I want to know your thoughts on unarmed black men being killed. I was doing some research and it said 194 black people have been killed by the police this year alone. Mm-hmm. The year is not over with. So let's let's first off and let's let's get it right because there are these memes or memes, however you say it, floating around social media. Memes. Yeah, I was about to say memes too. <laughs> See, they, they got memes. Yeah, they got memes. Memes. memes, memes. I don't yeah. know. What I just it is. say memes. Me too. He yeah. says memes, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's floating around and it's, it'll say something like uh, white uh, people killed by police two hundred thirty four. 
uh, black people 184, and then it'll just go down. And then, the, and then, so people say, "Oh, you see there, uh, more more whites are being killed. So why are y'all, uh, say, say, uh, you know, making this fuss?" Well, yeah. first off, let's put things in perspective. Um, there's a greater percentage of Caucasian Americans in, in the United States than there are African Americans. Okay, yeah. so if the number, the 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 uh, the, the the hard number of Af- African Americans getting killed, if it's closer to that of white Americans get, getting killed, then there's already a disproportionate uh, factor there. Yeah. The second thing, the second thing is that how many Caucasian Americans are actually getting killed by the police officers for no reason at all? Yeah. It's proven that it, it's, it, it's a statistical fact that more Caucasian Americans are killing police officers. Yes. Okay? But first we only hear about the black Americans killing police officers. So the Caucasians Ameri- Caucasian Americans are the ones that are aggressing uh, uh I'm sorry, aggressive and are the, the aggressors with the police um officers in which in some cases they get killed more. Yeah. But you have clear video footage of men with their hands up of a uh you know the Laying down on the ground with his hands up, yeah. you know, selling CDs, selling loose cigarettes. I mean, practically Lucy's. doing nothing, um, complying with an officer, Philando Castile. Uh, so you have clear evidence of African Americans getting killed straight up like dogs for no apparent reason, yeah. and and then they There's turn around and they find ways to de-escalate the other Caucasian yeah. Americans who are mainly the aggressors killing police officers. So you can't tell us that we should silence our voice when it comes to this cause. Yeah. And I'm, I got to turn it up on that because <laughs> it just is what it is. That's what we're about. That's why this company is formed because, you know, Booker T. Washington, and that's why, that's why we started with him. Booker T. Washington says he, well, he was about self-determination. Okay, Jim Crow was, 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 was trying to beat them down, okay? And he said, you know what? We got to do what we got to do, and they're going to see what we're doing, and then they'll respect us. Has that ever happened? I can't say that, but at least we can say we got to do what we got to do. And we had to teach these young children that they had to continue to be great and not succumb to what they're hearing from these negative media outlets. Yeah. We got to focus on on our own business as a people. We need to take care of ourselves, and we need to we need to be the ones responsible for um, you know furthering our causes. We need to be the ones responsible for the information that's that's told to our children, our stories. We need to be responsible for that. I don't need Steven Spielberg doing a movie about Nat Turner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I need yeah. somebody who who understands the yeah, culture exactly. and understands the history and yeah. the information to be able to to create something like that. So, and like Louis said, that's one of the reasons why. We decided to do this. I mean, among so many other reasons, we look at the state of our people, and you know, the one thing that that they're able to do with us is, you know, show us in these situations where you know, like, um, say, videos, yeah. rap music, and all that. And I love hip hop. I'm from Rhode Island. Yeah. You know what I'm saying I grew up in the '70s and the '80s. I was there when it started, and I'm a hip hop head to the end of the to the end of time. But at the same time, you know, as I grew older, I realized even the music that I listen to yeah. is different yeah. the, because there's there's messages in the music, and and for you, and there's plenty of conscious rappers out there, and oh, plenty yeah. of conscious musicians. But and think about this, though they don't get airplay on the radio. Why is that? There's a reason for that. Oh, of if course, you, if, it you, is. if you dig deeper, yeah. you look at it. Yeah. There's a reason for that. So these individuals are putting information out there and, and, and appealing to the subconscious of our children and a lot of other people, and especially you know the uh, non-black folks. And they look at somebody on TV and they say, "Hey, this person 
their, their life doesn't have value. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Look how they're carrying themselves. They're a danger, right? Yeah. That, like and that's the other dude. thing. Oh, yeah, he's, like a bad he's, dude. he's he's a thug, right? Yeah, and even I don't know if you guys listen to that. You know, with the with the with the Terrence Crutcher situation in the in the, in the helicopter, the yeah. cop in the helicopter said, you know, you might have to tase that thing. That's what he said. Yeah. You have you I might have to it. tase that thing, and that that in itself speaks volumes. They don't even look at us. They never have, yeah. and they still don't look at us as human beings. But it's so funny too because I was watching one of the uh, news reporters, and, and I don't even really watch the news. But when I heard about Terrence Crutcher and uh, the situation in Tulsa and in Charlotte, I started watching the news. I heard about four reporters report looting. So when they reported looting, I never saw audio. I never saw video of anybody taking anything out of the store. The only thing I did see was a reporter standing in front of a storefront that the windows were broken out. So again, the media tells you how to think. Mm -hmm. So when you report looting, you don't think white. You think black because it's in Charlotte. It's a black man being killed. You're playing off people's emotions. Yes. Not only did I see that, the guy who does the uh, free hugs, who goes around doing that. So he was out in Charlotte, and I watched a 12-minute video. A lot of people won't watch videos past two minutes. You know, our attention, pan, right, attention span right. is short. So I'm watching it, and they literally catch two white dudes on camera throwing trash cans and stuff through a window. Wow. And they were like, get that on camera because they're going to say that it was somebody black. They were showing that it was white people who threw those. I said all that to say this. A lot of times, it's a smoke screen. It's something to blind all of America to keep the attention of what the real issue is. White people are the ones who threw those trash cans through the window. There's footage out on freehugs.com, but there's no footage on Channel 8, Channel 4, Channel 12, Channel 11, showing that black people or CNN, that they are the ones who are looting those stores. Not saying that they didn't. I even said that on a previous podcast. I'm not saying that they didn't, but I need the actual evidence and proof showing that. All these videos of black people getting killed, they got that. You say that somebody is looting. It's trying to, to me, I look at it as they're trying to bring the playing field down to a balance, to where it's like, look what happens every time. Mm-hmm. They never get the peaceful protests. I've been to two uh, protests. I went to the one with Mike Brown, and when I was there, the bad stuff didn't break out to the end of the night. I, I was there from like 7 to 10 o'clock. Nothing went wrong. It's the same thing that like my parents used to tell us growing up, or they tell you young girls, ain't nothing now past 12 o'clock but legs. Mm-hmm. And trouble. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like one of those things where it's like I tell people all the time, you just got to stay woke. You got to stay paying attention Mm -hmm. because you can hear somebody saying looting, but where's the evidence of that? And as a white person, they don't think where's the evidence. Not all of them, but majority of them, they just listen and they go off of it because they already have a reason. They They already fear us, and now the media is giving them a reason to fear us. When it's no evidence of it, exactly, and and that's just like you know during the and I think this is probably the most popular example of what you just explained was um, during Katrina situation where you I mean you've got you've got a, a black you know you've got black people on one side you have white people on the other side they're both in you know what I'm saying waist high water yeah. and they're both you know walking around with bags one of the one of the captions in the same newspaper said you know two black people uh, you know walking around in the water after in so many words after looting a store yeah. same exact newspaper two white people walking around with food you know in survival mode because of the situation yeah. I mean it's like you said they're, they're trying to tell you they're what trying to, to tell think. you what to think man bottom it's, line it's there so if you had one option I always tell people we all know what the problem is so the government gave either one of you guys one option one chance to bring a solution to the table, what would your solution be if you have one? For me, mine would be education. I think it really starts with education, which is why this book is a big deal. Because I've talked to so many white people who know nothing about the history of black people. Mm -hmm. Literally nothing. 
And it's because they don't teach it in school and they don't teach it in this true perspective. Even on the Nat Turner movie, it was a part on there where a white per- the white dude was like, hey, let's go uh, sit around the fire, drink some brandy, and tell some lies. <laughs> That's why history, you break it down, is historical. One of my uh, professors, she was like, it's television, but it's tell lie vision. <laughs> so it's like, they, and that's why for me personally, it's hard for me to really just go off everything that people talk about in the Bible because I'm like, it's man written. The only thing in the Bible was what was written in red, <laughs> that God said, supposedly. <laughs> so you telling me I'm supposed to believe people wrote a Bible from 2000, 4000, how many years ago, and it was translated and passed down. And I'm supposed to believe everything. I'm not saying that it's not some good to it mm-hmm. or some truth to it, yeah. but it's one of those things to where, and knowing my history, it was used as a conformity tool, which you'll see again in Birth of a Nation. Control. How it's used for a conformity tool to let them know either you accept this and die and go to hell, or you accept this and you go to heaven and do right by your master. But the Bible also speaks mm-hmm. about if the master strikes you, how it's okay to rise up against that person. You know what right. I'm saying? But they don't talk about that kind of stuff. So if the government gave you one chance to fix it, <laughs> or if you just had a thought process in your mind, how do you think this gets better? Because people always say, when does racism end? And personally, I don't think it ever ends because it's somebody teaching it. They have their own doctrine of how to keep it going right. as opposed to stopping it. Right. That's, that's a good question. My mind first goes to systematic yeah. reform and even though that's one thing it covers so many, so many things yeah. so many areas oh man from economics to poverty to the criminal justice policies uh i don't know where to start man because if you touch on one and still leave the other ones you're still doomed yeah um but if i can if I, if I can always revert back to booker t washington um i would i would say um within education um, teaching children about, um, you know, giving them hard skills, yeah. like things they can do with their hands, like trades, mm-hmm. trades. Because today, you can, you you have a decision. You can go to a, you can graduate and go to a university, or you can get into construction, and you equally you can you know end up making you know the same amount of money. Um, you can get a trade in aircraft dispatch, which uh, tops out over hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. After like you know eight eight years, you really yeah. start off around eighty thousand um, dollars. Welding, different things. So I believe that that children today, uh, for a part of the reason why they have no hope, um, well, some of them is that they're not learning anything that they feel is relevant. They yeah. don't they don't understand why they're even learning these things or the importance of it, and they're 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 leaving school. Um, other than going to, you know, possibly an, an area where nothing is, is good for them, you know, yeah. an inner city of poverty, guns, drugs, gangs. Um, but they're, they don't have any concrete skills um, to do anything with their life after they leave school. Right. So I would say teaching, um, teaching trades to pre- prepare them uh, to be <clears throat> a businessman or enter into the workforce with some hope other than working at McDonald's or Walmart. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's definitely education because one thing you yeah, you can cough, breathe, whatever on the I tell people all the time I'm like the authenticity. Can we cuss on of, here? Yeah, you can <laughs> shit fuck yeah, damn yeah. bitch. I don't know. I didn't know if you guys cussed. So I, hey, you know, I try to keep it to a minimum hey, until I really get to it's know. Good. If you go back and listen to the podcast, <laughs> you'll know. It goes in. Yeah. But no, I, I always try to tell people I think education is a big, uh, a strong point because so many white people don't know. And I tell people a lot of times, a lot of people are not racist. They just don't know. So when you don't know, you only fight for the beliefs that you have. Mm. So, excuse me. Drinking beer got me burping. But... <laughs> I try to tell people so many times, like, 
I read an article through the Pew Research Center and through Harvard, and they were saying that the more educated you are, the less racist and the less um, mm. spiritual you are, because you start thinking logically of how could these things happen. Mm. And I always bring up the issue when it comes to religion. I'm like, you know how they said the world was destroyed by water? Well, back then it took them a month to go like maybe a hundred miles. So it's like, <laughs> if it was destroyed, how do we even know that a hundred miles away that it was still good? How do we right. know it just wasn't like Katrina? Right. But here we were okay. You know what I'm saying? So I, when you start thinking logical, you're like, how can this? I mean, maybe it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So and and with racism, if you're educated on it, then you know. A lot of times, I don't think black people or people like myself are looking for white people to say, "Hey, I'm sorry." No. It's just to acknowledge that this happened right. and know what your ancestors truly did. Mm -hmm. I was asked at work the other day. A white lady came and asked me, and she's like, what do you think about Kaepernick kneeling? I was like, I don't think anything. I mean, he has a right to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, me personally, I wouldn't do it. And the reason I would, she was like, oh, and she started kind of getting excited. Like, right. oh, he said he, I said, I wouldn't do it because I know the scrutiny that comes with that. I would tackle it from another perspective because mm -hmm. doing that against the flag, you might as well burn the flag. And we already know how people feel when you burn the flag. Right. I feel like if he would have did it in a different light, or in a different platform or a different arena and started like maybe traveling and having like podcasts or something to where he's making it aware, people would be more susceptible to it. Mm -hmm. But to do it and kneel and it's the, the flag and it's America and it's football, the greatest sport in America, he brought more, people turned their backs before they even listened to him. Right. So that's why I said I would have did it differently. But like I told her, I was like, when they wrote the Bill of Rights, the amendments, all these laws, the Constitution, we still had shackles on our neck, hands and feet. So it was never written for us. Say something real. You got it. Real quick. So, so I never. I'm on Instagram at Melanin Origins, and um, that's a business thing. I've never. I'm not. I don't see myself as photogenic, so I don't be doing all that stuff for the gram. <laughs> but um, so I really don't you follow. Don't be taking selfies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, anyway, I took about hey, three hey, of them hey, since hey, we've been hey, in it. Stop! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> So I really don't follow too many people, yeah. but once he did that, I, I did look at his page. And what's interesting about his page Kaepernick. is that, Kaepernick, yeah, okay. what's interesting about his page is that he's been posting about these things for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think any other athlete has been doing it like yeah. that. Yeah. Like he, he's been consistently, he's like a straight activist on his page. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if you compare him and look at someone like Kevin Hart, you know, Kevin Hart, you know, he's showing off his Nikes. He's showing off he's playing basketball with this person. He's working out. And he's pretty much using his platform to make money, yeah. which is cool. That's, I love Kevin Hart. You know, but Kaepernick has been doing the exact opposite, you know. Uh -huh. And so the way how I see the whole thing is, first off, whether you white, black, or whatever, no matter where you're from, when the national anthem starts going on, uh, usually people stand up and some people cover their heart. And some, you know, put their hand over their heart. Some people don't. And who can tell someone to put it over their, their hand over their heart or not? And so I feel like Kaepernick has been uh, posting and saying different things and working on um, doing things in different ways for a very long time. And I don't think he went to social media saying, hey, look, everybody just watch. I'm not going to stand up. So right. just pay attention to what I'm doing. He was just chilling you know, going like accordingly uh, to his beliefs. Yeah. Right. And then somebody got that and somebody made a huge thing about it. So it's like, he was just doing him. Yeah. Like, honestly, he came out and said it straight up. You know, this is not about the flag. I've addressed what it is about, what it's not about. And I've shown you 
over and over again. Veterans are coming out saying, "Yo, for real, seriously, we Famous, we stand yeah. with, with 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 Kaepernick." So I think he's gotten that point across, you know. But you know, just like you said, the media is going to keep on trying to uh, talk about different things. But I wouldn't say that I disagree with him because. I think he was living life the way how he consistently lived life, yeah. and someone just happened to get a snapshot of that and then decide to blow it up. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. what it is. Right. So now, instead of just sitting down, I'm going to show a little bit more proper whatever, you know, and I'm going to kneel. And this is what kneeling means. So and that's, he, and that's what he well, and I'll just say in response to that that the the reason because he had he did it the previous um, preseason game, but nobody noticed. Mm. You know, then he did it this, the next time, and then somebody noticed. And see, what I got to respect about the man is that, you know, when it came, when it became about him uh, not respecting the flag and all that, and not respecting the military and all that, he said, you know what, it's not about that, but this is what I'm going to do. Let me reach out to some of these military personnel. Let me reach out to the military families and ask them, hey, listen, what I'm doing is not in disrespect to you, so do you have an idea on how I can, you know, still... Um, bring attention to the things that I'm trying to do without being showing being disrespectful. Yeah. You. How can you do that? They suggested, hey, well, maybe you should just take a knee. You know, instead of just sitting on the bench and not, you know, showing any um, interest at all. Instead of doing that, why don't you just take a knee? And that's what he did. You know what I mean? He decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a knee because I do have respect for the military personnel. I have them in my family. Um, I know some military personnel. I've reached out to some families of military personnel and military personnel specifically, and they suggested that instead of just sitting on the bench, I take a knee. So that's what I'm going to do because all I'm trying to do is get you guys to focus more on why I'm doing these things and not necessarily what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So, you know, I got to I got to show him some respect for that. <laughs> I'm cracking screen. Oh, is yeah. <laughs> totally destroyed. Did it break? Okay. Well, I was trying to get some video in this in, in uh, today in the studio, man. So I was trying to get something for him and I threw the phone over to my girl. And I, I didn't know if I crashed that shit or not. So I hope not. Yeah. You got insurance? Yeah. <laughs> nah, man. So. That's really all the questions I have for you guys today, man. A lot of people would be like, oh, let's wrap it up. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's next, man. What are we going to do? Right, right. Mm -hmm. I know right. you reached out to us, and I'm like, we got a couple of things coming up, and I think we could definitely work together. We did the Backpacks and Haircuts event um, with Dallas, uh, yeah, yeah, Dallas yeah. Men. We have something coming up where we're basically going to be buying uh, Halloween costumes for the kids who right. may like to celebrate Halloween. Mm -hmm. I know growing up, you know, because I grew up in a holiness church, they were like, "Oh, you don't celebrate the right. devil's birthday." Octoberfest. Like, this, this nigga got a birthday. Right. Holiness. Yeah. When he got a birthday. When did the devil get a birthday? Hey. So I think it's all we about fun. Yeah. It's not, I think it's all about having fun for the kids. So we're trying to do something with them. But I definitely think we could get together. We could do something. Um, it's a couple of schools I, I'm aware of. I have a friend who has. Uh, he's a principal out in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, I have a friend that's a teacher out in Mansfield, and one that's a teacher out in Lancaster. And nice. I think this program. I mean, would be dope. And like I said, I've heard about a couple of other people, not here in Dallas. One thing I try to tell people about Dallas, it's a lot of things to do here, mm -hmm. but it's about coming together and making those things happen. Right. There's so many things going on in like uh, Philadelphia, New York, D.C., mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, it seems like black people can come together there. Yes. But I'm trying to figure yes. out like you guys, how do we get this to come together here? So we definitely going to try and work off air and get something together to where we can get this moving in the right direction. Where can they find you at, Louis, on social media? Okay, social media, we're at, uh, let's see, Instagram, at Melanin Origins, Facebook, uh, Melanin Origins, LLC, Twitter, at Melanin Origins. Um, our website, we do a website, www.melaninorigins.com. 
Uh, let me say a little bit about what they can expect from no, us. So the first one is, um, first book we have out is it's already out, Brick by Brick, a snippet of the life of Booker T. Washington. All right, the next book is coming out in two months. Mm-hmm. All right, Power in My Pen, a snippet of the life of Ida B. Wells. Okay. So that's going to be heavy. That's hey, all Something the, for the all girl. the young yeah. ladies. We're talking about truth telling. We're talking about penmanship. We're talking about speaking your mind and being free. Okay, all right. So that's that. That's going to be very amazing. Um, and we spoke a little bit uh, prior to about um, the project that we have for next year. Okay, uh, we're going to write a book about a woman. Her name is um, Yvette Frances McBarnett. Okay, she just passed away this year. She um, er, earlier this year. She's a pioneer in treating sickle cell. Okay. And so the young lady that you've seen on our social media, uh, let's just say her her, uh, her name is Naji. Okay, her mother gave birth to three girls, and they all three of them have sickle cell disease. Okay, mm-hmm. all three of them. So, so Najee, through seeing the pain from her sisters, she's only 12 years old, and the kids in the uh, hospital, she decided to start baking, baking. All right, to to teach children about how dieting can help uh, prolong your life and you know ease ease the pain, and um, she takes the proceeds from the foods that she bakes, and then she takes that to go bless the children. So yeah. just like you did the whole backpack thing, this girl's 12 years old, she coordinated a way to get eight, 80 backpacks full of school supplies yeah. for, for children that are in the hospital. So uh, we, we, we stumbled across each other on, on social media, and it's, it's going to be amazing to have that young lady write about something that affects her. And, and uh, actually, sickle cell, you know, uh, disproportionately, like the police, affect uh, African Americans, so um, we're gonna all donate 25 percent yeah. of all of our proceeds from that book to her, so she can get her royalties, and 25 percent of all the book gonna go to her foundation. She has a 501 C3, so it's gonna be major. We're gonna impact lives in such a meaningful way, and that's what I really love about what this company is about. And so we get to teach our children about history. We get to make it fun. We get to make education and learning and being great fun, and we get to impact our people and a whole other capacity as yeah. well. So, how, so the girl does she have like a, a social media or something that people if they want to look at and yes, donate or help yes. out? Yes, please follow Naji the Baker. Okay, so it's, it's Naji the Baker. So if you go to Instagram, it's Naji T H E E B A K E R. And oh, let me spell the whole thing. That was supposed to say Naji. Naji. He spelled the Baker. Okay, it's a <laughs> people probably listening like, no nah, man, I need you to spell the first name. All right, it's at N A Z H. I I can do military if you like, okay? <laughs> T-H-E-E-B-A-K-E-R. Follow that young lady. She's 12 years old. The mayor of, of uh, Miramar, Florida, just declared September Sickle Cell Awareness Month, and, and they that. awarded it to her. Yeah. They, they gave the proclamation because of her and her, the work that, that she's been doing. She's an awesome young lady. Najee the Baker. Follow her, please. She's going to be the next author for Melanin Out Origins. All right, that's what's up. And where can they find you at on social media, Frank? They can find me on, I'm only on Instagram okay. at um, BlackGhost75. Oh, so that's, that's, a, that's I saw my you. tag, yeah. <laughs> B-L-K-G-H-S-T-75 because vowels are for punks. Wait. 
Wow, you, you have an underscore in there somewhere. Yeah, there's an underscore in there somewhere. Hold it's, on a it's, BL, it's at BLK underscore GHST75. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. <laughs> yeah, right. that's in right now. Yeah, BLK underscore GHST75, Black Ghost 75. Um, I'm also on Cyberdust okay. at the same, the same uh, handle. Um, I know Cyberdust is something that's a little bit more popular here in the Dallas area because that's of Mark what I was about Cuban. to say. What, I've never even never heard, heard of Cyberdust. Nah. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's something that Mark Cuban is is associated with. Okay, uh, Cyberdust, and there's a lot of um, you know like a lot of entrepreneurial people on there. So, okay. um, but it's like any social media, people flood to it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of benefits to it. It's kind of like a Snapchat for grown folks, okay. where the where the messages disappear and all that type of okay. stuff. But there's a lot of Shark Tank type of. Does it uh, sound? Stuff on uh, is it spelled like it sounds? Yeah, Cyberdust. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. Cyberdust. Uh, yeah, just a Cyberdust app. If you look at that. So right now, those are the only two um, uh, social media outlets I'm on. I got kicked off of Facebook, and uh, those reasons won't be <laughs> discussed right here. <laughs> You might as well say it's the wackest reason ever. But, but let, let me, before, before you say that, let me. It's the dumbest thing ever. But uh, let, let me say Something this: crazy. Uh, our goals are schools, libraries, and corporate giveaways. Yeah. So corporations we would love to work work uh, with you okay we have wholesale prices and we can work something out uh you give to um you have events where you give things away and so we would like to be a part of that process okay um uh libraries if you're listening to these words please at your local library you can just go to the librarian and request our book and they will purchase our book so that you can read it from the library for free so yeah. please please do that um, let's see schools, and we're trying to make our way into um, the procure the procurement process for ISDs nationwide. Um, but back, bring it back to your original question. Um, I, I'm ready for us to work to find a way to work together oh, to, we're make it happen, to, right. to 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 impact these these children because they they had to see that there are black men doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. They had to see that there's black men doing it. Period. So. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something after I do the announcement. So I wanted to let you guys know on October 14th from 6 to 8, come out to Wild Detectives Bookstore for The Reality Is Presents Speak Easy and Open Dialogue on Love and Relationships with Intimacy Expert Dr. Kat Smith. There's limited space available, so it's first come, first serve. We'll have our flyers and everything out on social media coming up this week. We have about two, two and a half weeks before it actually starts. I was going to tell you guys that'll be something you may want to come out to because I, I think the manager will be there. And not to be funny, he may be willing to talk to you guys about maybe bringing that book into that bookstore okay. and it's a book it, it's not a library but you know it's a bookstore they can buy the book purchase the book however but it's dallas based and they have a lot of dallas based authors already in that bookstore Perfect. so it may be something that you guys may be able to talk to like if you come out we can introduce you to them let them know what you guys are doing in the concept and they may be able to look at that and see if that's even an opportunity as well mm-hmm. also the podcast will start becoming available every wednesday i told you guys we switched over uh, we got people that left um I may do a podcast, man, on people leaving. Because somebody was like, hey, I know this didn't happen. I know people ain't went on to something better. So they was like, can you really tell us the backstory of what happened? And I was like, you know what? Maybe I will and embellish it using different people's names. Maybe I'll do like a 30-minute podcast. Because people people are like, man, won't you just tell the truth? And I'm like, ah, man, you don't want to tell the truth because you try not to ruffle feathers. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, if they ain't rocking with you and they ain't talking to you, then... And I always tell people how you could tell if somebody really supports you. So say, for instance, me and Louie or me and Frank, we working together. It doesn't go the way it needs to go. I decide to go my way or you decide to say, hey, you're not bringing enough to the table. You got to go your own way. Now, while I was there, I'm posting. I'm talking about Melanin Origins. I'm telling everybody about it. 
and I act like I support it. But as soon as I'm gone, you never hear nothing else. You never see another post. That person didn't really support you. Right. I want people to really understand that if you really support somebody, whether it's an agree to disagree situation, if I worked with you guys and then it just didn't work out, brick by brick, Melanin Origins, what they're doing for kids, that's a positive thing mm-hmm. to where even if I'm not with you, or we're not working together, I should still promote that because by me promoting that, it's helping kids. It's helping future future generations to where it's like, it's not just about you. And I think for black people, we have to learn to get out of our own way, Mm -hmm. try to help somebody else. And this is the thing that I hate the most about black people. Like Louis said, stop talking about it. If you're talking about injustices, let's do something. How do we, and that's what I always think about. How do we keep the ball rolling from, okay, this week, all of this stuff happened, Charlotte and Tulsa. Everybody's going to be fired up and, and their, 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 their anger is going to be inflamed for the next two weeks. What do you do after two weeks? Right. Do you set off work? You know, they had Isaiah Thomas, uh, Isaiah Washington, who was like, hey, for tomorrow. Yeah, right? tomorrow. I got to go to work. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's like a strong debate yeah. on the right side. I really, side yeah, me too. Brain. And I'm like, damn, should I say that? But I'm like, not to be funny, these white folks don't even know mm-hmm. what's going on. So if I don't come in, it's just going to look like, is he oh. sick? Was he really sick? Do I lie and say I was sick? Right. So I'm, I'm taking my ass to work. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. But I will still be doing podcasts like this. I still will be doing initiatives and things that we are talking about doing to make differences. I think it's more than one way to make a difference. I don't even, I try my best not to even jump down people's throats when, uh, like when they were saying boycott um, Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. You know niggas love their chicken. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things where you may not be able to do everything because everybody has their vices. Chicken may be your vice. But at the same time, find something that's beneficial to the cause of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Even right. if it's just having that conversation and, and being smart enough to where if you get the opportunity to talk to a white person who may not agree with you, don't go off and want to fight them. Because if you hear what they have to say, and even if you walk away and you feel like you haven't accomplished nothing, to have an intellectual conversation with the opposite race about how you feel and hear them out, even if it doesn't change anything, then you allow something to be put on their mind. Right. But if you get in your feelings and you want to fight them or whatever, you turn that person off and you made what they think about you become true. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, it's so I always try to tell people there's so many different ways to get a change or make a change outside of just doing what people tell you to do on social media and TV. Right. And it comes uh, you know, it comes to communication. Uh, real quick, what, what time to time we're looking like? Bro, we good. We good? Okay. We, I mean, that's why I wanted to move home. You can talk okay. as long as you want. Okay. We, right now, we are at, what are we doing? We've been at, we're at an hour now. Okay. It don't even seem like it, it but seem hey, like we good. It. Okay, so, so I'll say this. Um, you know, like what you just said with the example of talking to people, it's very important that we understand, you know, this communication piece of this, yeah. okay? We're having a conversation, like you said, you don't want to get mad at the person. Let's let's have a discussion. Let's have a, a dialogue. Let's have a debate where we are trying to understand each other. Now, that's going to be the challenge for us talking to white people yeah. because most of the time they're not trying to understand, True. you know, what it is that, that we're going through. Just like it's difficult to get any, when any of these situations take place with the police and our citizens, I mean, name me one situation where we've actually had a police agency come out and say, you know what? That police officer or that agency did not handle that situation properly. You'll never hear it because of their blue wall of silence, right? Everybody's supporting each other no matter what it is that they're doing. So it's more of a challenge for us, but it's not impossible. We definitely need to get to that point. Kind of, you know, circling back to what you talked about earlier about what I would do, the one thing that I would do if I had the opportunity, I think that's a difficult question, but me personally, Education is definitely important, and not necessarily just education, but information sharing is is the critical piece to that. You need to know, as a black person, you need to know, you know, where you came from. You need to know your history, right? But at the same time, 
you know, white folks, you need to know what your history is as well and what your history That's so is. important. Yeah, as it relates to our people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I'm a, a reader of Frances Quest, Quest Welsing's books, Rest in Peace to Her, but she had a definition of racism that has nothing to do with I don't like black people. You know what I'm saying? It had everything to do with the group situation. You know, we're, we're trying to align ourselves and, and to take control of the resources. And as we take control of the resources, we have the power to, you know, keep those resources from another group. And unfortunately, right now, that group that we're talking about throughout history that has taken that approach has been white people. So do you think black people can be racist? Well, you know, when you talk about racism, you have to talk about power. Right. So in situations, there's certain situations where black people have certain powers that um, that they can utilize that power to to disenfranchise another group. Yeah. Now, but overall, if you look at the the, the, the the spectrum, black people don't have that kind of power to be able to be racist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that it's impossible. But when you talk about it from a power perspective, we can't systematically oppress. Exactly. Anybody. I mean, there's, there's yeah. systems out there that are designed Mm-hmm. To to keep us from you know benefiting those resources, I mean uh, accessing those resources. Now, now I can say this: uh, Can black people, black people, you know, first uh, outside of Africa, the second largest diaspora of black people is where Brazil. Yeah. All right. So they're dealing with some things, uh, what they call the Aborigines, black people in Australia, black people everywhere are, are dealing with some things, right? Neocolonialism, um, racism economic uh, discrimination. But when you talk about black people in America or where they are the minority and they don't control it, then uh, no, black people cannot be racist. Dr. Umar Johnson talks about something called light-skinned supremacy. I don't don't want to piggyback off everything that he says. Yeah, I was going to say, be careful. Yeah, yeah, I think I I, I can, uh, you know, agree with a a few things. He talks about light-skinned supremacy, okay? Now, again, uh, my family's from Liberia, right? Whenever these uh, free slaves went to Liberia, they established a currency, they established a government, they established pretty much everything that's the, the dollar. I mean, everything that's there, they, but what happened? Hundreds, thousands of years, they were actually natives that were living there. Yeah. So when they initially tried to go there and get this um, <laughs> set up, the natives were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll hear you out. And then a- after a while, they said, nah, we don't want it. They brought it back, they tried it. They heard him out. They said, nah, we, we don't want it. Third time, they brought it, and they had a whole chief meeting, and they said, no. Nah. Then they, so they pulled a gun out on him and said, no, nah, this is what's about to happen. All right? So for 150 years after that, they, uh, in a sense, oppressed the natives, and they restricted them from being a part of the government, you know, f- to making it to this next class, um, you know, to e- experiencing wealth and, and uh, riches. They, they literally did that. Um, good thing about, you know, <laughs> my family comes from some of the people that were from the one side and from the other side. And that eventually ended up happening. But you can go there and you can see things like tribalism, you know, bigotry. And, you know, you hear about all those things. And sometimes it has to do with CIA. Sometimes it has to do with disinformation. It has to do with, you know, co- continuing, you know, someone else's hand causing confusion to, yeah. keep, to keep the place screwed up. But I say all of that to say that definitely prejudice prejudice exists yeah you know what i mean but as we talk about right here in america what we're dealing with here today no black people cannot be racist you know we just need to really understand what's within us and really seek to better ourselves better the next man and you said you know okay this is what i really 
love about what we're doing. This is this is really what brought the thought process to me. Because when I started learning about Marcus Garvey, Du Bois, Booker T. Washington, you know, I found out that these guys were very strong black men that had different ways of doing things and yeah. clashing ideologies. Yeah. You know, so you said that um, you uh, you know having a conversation with black people is like, you know, I want to speak with white people. Me, personally, I'm tired of talking to them about this stuff. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. I told you I went to Pensacola Christian College. Man, I was a straight, like, every classroom, I was like the one black kid, or the, maybe there was one other black, black kid and like 30, 50 kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And kids wearing Confederate flags, and I had to conform, and this and, like, everything, to the T. I had to put up with this, this kind of stuff. All kinds of, man. And, but I ended up making friends with some of those people. All of my professors were ex-police officers. Yeah. Uh, 80% of my classmates went to be police officers. So now they're white police officers, right? And um, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a difference in the lives of troubled youth. So I knew I was going to juvenile. And I knew I'd be dealing specifically with, you know, uh, inner city uh, children. Yeah. You know, and uh, they knew that they wanted to be police officers. But we were cool. We were fine. It was, it was straight. Like, we were great friends. Trayvon Martin happens and what? You know how many... Were you uh, in Florida then? No, nah, okay. I, was, I wasn't Florida. I, I was here. But Facebook, you know, we're all right here in the room talking yeah. pretty much, yeah. you know. So so Trayvon Mart happens. Next thing happens. Next thing happens. All you hear is racist BS, and they don't even understand. And you're trying to, whoa, we're friends. Like, yeah. can you just hear what I'm trying to say? say yeah. This is how this affects me. Yeah. Like, I Like, psychologically, emotionally, they they do not understand what black people are going through yeah. when we see these images and whenever they keep trying to defend oh he must have been how can you say that Trayvon yeah. Martin was a thug I still can't get over that yeah. and you can argue that he his death was justifiable okay me as an adult I know that if somebody hits me I have the opportunity to walk away if yeah. he's not hitting me again but that's not happening for me Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, but, well, 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 yeah. right. But when the police come to you, both of you are now in the wrong. Yeah. If somebody hits me and beats me into a corner, and I hit him one time and he falls on the ground, I'm done. Yeah. That is self defense. But if I jump on top of him and start beating him, then and now I become the aggressor. Yeah. How does a 17 year old know that when he's running from his life? Yeah. A guy has a gun, and then they're they're wrestling and they get on the ground. Yeah. How does a 17 year old know that? And you can call him a. Th Anyway, I went on this tangent, but 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 arguing and trying to have this conversation with white people has literally almost destroyed my soul, man. <laughs> almost like just take every. I, yeah. I've lost all of my friends from college. You yeah. understand? So I'm done with that. Because I wanna, they'll try to defend the reason why he died as opposed to being empathetic and listening before that actually happens. And that's yeah. one of the things I try to tell people. I'm like, anytime it ever happens, I don't even know if I've lost friends on Facebook because I could care less. But at the same time, it's like, all we, like, like I said, we're not asking you to say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. We're just saying, listen, right. you're smart people. Right. Be empathetic and break down the scenario and see what actually happened. Because there's no reason that you can tell me that he deserved to die. Well, like they say, when they always go back to Dylan Root, who had a master plan of how mm. he wanted to do it. Calculated. Sociopath to where he walked in, sat down with them, talked to them, and then killed them. Then you followed him for 30 miles, decided he didn't eat that morning, took him for took Burger King. Burger. We don't get that kind of treatment. And if you can't see the difference in those things. And then Trayvon Martin was not even killed by a police. He was killed by a white person who followed him. Mm -hmm. Thought he looked suspicious. Thought he did something and took it into his own hands. Right, after he was told 
to fuck to, off. Yeah, to back to back off. You know, for, when he called yeah. the police department and nine one one, they they informed him to the police officers are on the way. Please, yeah. you know, disengage or do do not engage the individual. And again, he has no empathy because after even the whole trial, he sold his gun on eBay yeah. or some website. He's never had empathy. Right. So it's like you can't tell me this guy is an associational path or whatever the case may be. So it's one of those things I always try to tell people because seventy five percent of my listeners are white people, which still blows my mind to this day. Black people, where are you at? But white people, all we're asking is be empathetic and look at the whole spectrum of the situation before you start talking just because you're ignorant or your mind has you've been brainwashed by the media or the books or TV or movies that you watch or even the ignorance of your parents. So many times I've heard white people say, Artesia, my girl, told me one day she was talking to this white guy at work and he was like, I like black people. I just don't hang out with them because I don't never know when that time of them rising up is going to be. So he feared the fact that we may start fighting back. I've heard other uh, white people be like, oh, I just, I don't know. I don't know much about black people enough to really judge them, so I just stay away from them. So when you look at them and you depict that black people are thieves or mm-hmm. we steal or we do this or do you that, has anybody media. ever stole from you? Right. Most white people, when I ask them that, no. Have you ever been robbed? Have you ever been beat up? Have you ever been chastised? Have you, as, as a black person, ever did anything wrong to you? And the answer is always no. So where do you get this mindset from? And, well, I know that was a rhetorical question, but we know where they get it from. Yeah. And then the, the problem with that is they teach it to their children. Exactly. You know, Louie and I were talking about um, the doll test here recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, and that happened in the 80s, I think. Right. And I mean, they've, they've, they've been yeah. doing several different yeah. tests, just updating yeah. it. And I was telling Louie that I want to do it with my own children because I'm really curious about, you know, what their perspective is yeah. when it comes to these it's things. Important. Like, do you really think the black doll is ugly and stupid? And yeah. where did you get that from? Because we didn't teach it, yeah. you know. Um, but let me just kind of circle back real quick. I know we probably no, you're about fine. But uh, I wanted to read that Francis Cress Wellsing definition that I had that, that was so profound for me about racism. And racism, as defined by her in one of her books, is a competitive relationship between groups of people that are competing with each other for the ownership and control of resources, power, and wealth so they can use it to benefit their people. Once they get enough of it, they can shut some other groups out, enslave them, and exploit them for the gain of their group. And yeah. when we look at what has happened with our people at the end of the day even if you want to if you want to start with slavery that's exactly what it is yeah. you know it's it's for the gain of a specific group you know yeah. and and kind of going back to some of the things that you guys have kind of mentioned and talked about in my opinion just in my opinion Frank Minicon the black ghost 75 um, <laughs> you know I truly truly when I look at everything when yeah. I look at our world when I look at you know the life that we live sports um, you know government everything Integration did not benefit black people. No. And it not everybody did. wanted integration. Right. It never benefited black people. And at the same time, you know, integration is one thing. Um, I would say that what happened really was desegregation. It wasn't necessarily integration. Yeah. What they did, when you look at, you know, I mean, just think about it like this. Just imagine somebody like Barack Obama being, uh, you know, a, a leader in a black community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just imagine somebody like Jackie Robinson or. Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, these individuals playing for a black league, yeah. a black sports league. Yeah. You know, there's no competition. No, it's not. Those individuals were plucked out. You know, you go back to history. Yeah. They plucked out the best of everything that we had in our communities and, and brought them to their community for the betterment of their community. Yeah. If we were, and this is kind of going back to what you said, <laughs> if I could do anything, 
not that I really would want to do this, yeah. but I would love to see a world where we can separate from. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, I'm talking about 100 percent separate from them yeah. and have our own to see how we can be. Well, you, know you have I mean? a right to, to, to even say that. And I, I think it's important to know that we can do things by ourselves. And I think it's important that people need to know that agriculture started in Africa. That's one of the biggest things that Europeans stole from black people in that point in time. They, when they came over, it's books on this. How are they growing these crops in this kind of dirt, in this kind of humidity, in this kind of weather, in this kind of heat? Because everybody knew Africa is hot as shit. Mm-hmm. How are they doing this? So we are the creators of so many things, but we are not given that credit. That's why it's important to have books written by us. I tell people all the time when I watch a documentary, if a white man is talking about a documentary in the hood, I'll listen because I'm not saying he's not right about some of the things. Mm. But there are certain things that a black person will say to another black person that he won't say to a white person. What I mean by that is when we went and watched the Birth of a Nation movie, when we came out, they had people who were surveying. I don't know if survey is, is a word, but they had people that were sitting there surveying. It was a Hispanic woman and two white women. After, before we went in, they were like, hey, when you guys come out, we want to know what you think about the movie. So as soon as we come out, they were asking black people and a lot of black people was like, no, nah, I'm all right. I'm all right. And then when the lady asked me, what do you want to think? You know, what are your thoughts about Birth of a Nation? And I was like, I just don't. I said, I would tell you, but I haven't gathered my thoughts. I said all that to say this. It was a corner. I mean, it was a group of people, black people around the corner that were talking about the movie because they can say what they feel and get an understanding amongst ourselves as opposed to telling a white person who it may offend and they may become emotional about these things. I even heard that when they watched the movie, a lot of white people, even in the movie we watched, a lot of white people walked out because it was parts in there where they were seeing white women and white men being murdered. Mm-hmm. Tell me what other movie you see that on where black people actually get vindication mm-hmm. for or, white people or doing that. black people walk out because that's what's always happening, yeah. we getting murdered. Yeah, right. and see, that's what, and the thing about it is, I, I actually, one thing I've always hated about slave movies is how the slave master... It's always that one good white dude who doesn't like slavery. And they allow white people to be the oppressor and the rescuer and the, or the savior of black people. When that has, I'm not saying that some white people didn't do it back in the day, but like, I feel like, like you said, when you have Spielberg and people like that making the movies, they're not going to try to make it so far-fetched that white people were just a villain. They have to show that, hey, it is some good white people. But just like you have some black people that are talking about racism, and amongst that racism, they uh, amongst that conversation of racism, they say, well, we know there are good white people. We shouldn't have to say that every time we want to talk about racism mm-hmm. and the messed up stuff that white people have done throughout history in society, not only to whites, I mean to blacks, but to to, to uh Italians when they came into New York, uh, Irish when they came into New York, and that's what's so funny about Italians and Irish is because you were treated this way as well, but you still look down on us. Right. When you some of the same things happened to you, maybe not four hundred years worth of it, but it still happened to you. My girl was telling me the other day she works with this uh, Asian chick, I think, or Vietnamese, and she called herself a Twinkie. She was like, "Yeah, I'm yellow on the outside, but I'm white on the inside." And I tell people all the time, it's so many Asians, it's so many Hispanics who become Americanized, and the thing that they vote or try to be is a white person, mm-hmm. because they look at them as prominent, That's not understanding that they have stolen every kind of culture from everywhere else to make what they have as America. Mm-hmm. If you think about white people, what culture do white people have? They have no culture. Mm-hmm. Because everything that they put out, that's why they call things Tex-Mex, because it's not real Mexican food. Mm-hmm. It's something that they want to have as a spinoff of something right. else. Uh, and this is not to offend white people. I Like I tell people all the time, I have white friends, and if you're offended, then you're probably the type of white person I'm talking about, and that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. 
but they've stolen everything. So I just feel like we need to get back to the basis of real education and educating not only blacks, but white people. Because some white people, if they knew, they would do better. Like they say, if you know better, you do better. A lot of white people don't know better. And the reason they don't know better is because their parents know. And they know that they may not agree with some of the things that they agree with. Right. Yeah. So. Hey, you, don't, you, only, you only teach what you know. Yeah, true. Yeah, the thing about, you know, I guess there was a controversy with the Cheerios commercial at a certain point. When yeah. you look on TV now, you're starting to see uh, more interracial things and commercials and this and that. Scandal. I don't want to say so. But anyway. <laughs> uh, and then, and then j- just like back to what you said about... Um, What's the name of the movie that came out before with Matthew McConaughey? I feel like oh, they I were said, uh, freed something. It was like Jim. Was it Jim Brown or whatever? That was, 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 was it? Yeah, Free State of Jones. Free State of Jones. Free State of Jones. Right. So, so um, I didn't want to my, watch that. My mentor put me on this information, and I I didn't even think this way. And that's so interesting because how the subconscious works. But the article he sent me an article, and it said, "When will white people stop making movies like Avatar?" Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this about, man? <laughs> and then I read it, and then it pretty much, it, I was like, wow, all the movies about, you know, black people being oppressed, there's always that one person who came and, and, and saved us. Yeah. And this just happened to be, be about aliens, but yeah. we already know what it's it translates to. It was right? a white man saving and, uh, yep. and so I think, I think that, uh, you know, I think that there's good and there's bad to it. I think that it's, it's good because they, first, I don't like really doing the us and they narrative, but... But I will say that, you know, uh, you know, Caucasian people might feel like, you know what, people feel a certain kind of way about us. Our history is a certain kind of way. We're not going to talk about how, how they, those feelings are about the actual history, but we'll, we'll, we'll show that there were good people among us doing things. So, yeah. so that's where I feel like they're coming w- with it. But then, when you, but then also the bad thing is that it's a, it's a facade. Yeah. Like there should be more Nat Turner movies like that, right? Yeah. It's a facade for people to believe that, oh, well, that's actually how the society is right now today, right? Like, like, like President Obama did not become elected president and everybody became um, like more racist. Yeah. Like the whole Congress decided to stand up against him and say, yeah. no, no, this we're going to make sure everything this black man does fails. Yeah. Like, you know, like people didn't start hating us more. Like, like, um, like, okay, if, if racism got worse because President Obama became, uh, came into office, it's not because of anything that he did. It's because he did what he's supposed to do and be an excellent black man. And now you're upset because we can achieve and attain such things and inspire young people to do better. Yeah, you're so we, we have done nothing different. He has done nothing different, right? But racism from, the, from white people have became worse on black people. So I think that, you know, it's, the whole thing has a, it's good and it's bad, but the, the, the bad thing about it is that it's a facade. Yeah. If we can really get down to what the real issues are and work with each other, because, man, I swear to God, I, we just need to work <laughs> with each other yeah. and love each other and recognize our differences and, and, and move forward. We yeah. need to change these policies about the police. We need to, you know, recognize when people are living in disadvantaged co- communities and see if we can do something better for them. The war on drugs, which was whacked out when they were putting all these people uh, with, with cracks, uh, I'm sorry, with crack, with, 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 with crack and in jail, right? Like destroying homes and, and families now today because it's affecting middle class, middle class Caucasian Americans with heroin. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Prison is not the answer. Yeah. That's disproportionate. That's discrimination. That's not equality. Let's talk about those differences and let's be equal across the board. 
period. Yeah. Let's just love on each other, period. So what do you think about, and, and, and I always come to this because it goes back to like uh, Nat Turner or Tiger Woods hasn't spoke up, but what do you think, do you think, and this is a question, this is something I always hear black people talk about when movies like Nat Turner uh, come out or Birth of a Nation. Can you be a black man in America knowing the history and the story of black people, talk about it with such resiliency and be married to a white woman? <laughs> I knew you was going to yeah. say that. Because yeah. people always be like, people always be like, well, his, your voice is kind of discredited because you go home to a white woman every night. Yeah. My opinion on it is I'm kind of like, I get where people come with that. I see. But I'm like, I'm also a person of like, if you love who you love, you care about who you care about. Right. And if the chemistry with the white woman or Asian woman is more than what you have with a black woman, it is what it is. But it doesn't negate. I still think to me, if you're talking about the right things and speaking and speaking intelligently, unlike a Charles Barkley, I feel like you should be OK. Like Nat Turner <laughs> doing Nate Turner doing what he doing. I feel like I mean, that's cool. He he didn't. When you see the movie, he didn't leave anything out. The way he looked at, uh, I forgot the the actress's name. She plays on uh, How to Get Away with Murder with the young black chick. Okay. But it's like the way he looked at her and the way he played his role in that movie, I wouldn't even known he even fucked with a white woman mm-hmm. or married to a white woman. So I'm like, for you guys, does it matter? Like Morgan Freeman, who likes white women, does it matter that you are standing up speaking against these injustices and inequalities, but you go home to a white woman been, or a woman of a different race? I might disagree with a bunch of people on this, you know, but um, I, I I would say that it does not matter. Yeah. It does not matter. I, I would say it doesn't because, first off, what you just said, you can't help who you fall in love with. Me, personally, well, I don't want to get into the relationship, how I feel about certain things, but <laughs> <laughs> I just find black women to be uh, extremely beautiful yeah. and gorgeous, right? But um, so... That's his love life. Yeah. I've seen him in The Great Debaters. He was outstanding, yeah, he amazing. Was and yeah. he was a, right, a, right around the same role, you know, um, Tay Diggs. You yeah. know, he has his, his wife is whiter. I don't know if his ex-wife or whatever. But, um, you know, he was that one chocolate brother in, like, all of them movies, like, where he played the same role over and over again. Yeah. You know, but, like, like, but like, we all, like, we all loved his role. We loved how he did what he did. Like, I didn't find out two years later he was married to a white woman. And But what did that do about the role that he played? Yeah. Like, you know, I think, like, people feel like, you know, we all have our mark what we want to do. And if you're able to actually do that in, in a in a whatever capacity it is, like we should not restrict a person from doing that. Yeah. So if if my man Nate Turner, his name is Nate Turner, yeah. okay, Nate Parker, Nate yeah, Parker. right, right, Parker. Nate yeah. Turner, Nate, Nate Parker, Parker. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> it's too close. So to so if if uh, if 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 Nate Parker feels like I've been excellent in my career. And I've done all these great things, and now I have the platform to do this for Black America. I'm gonna do it, yeah. and why should an ignorant person who can't do what he's doing stand yeah. up and say, "Wait, no, you're not the one because you're not married yeah. to a black woman." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be about black power or against white supremacy if you're married to a white woman. I don't understand that. You know, maybe I someone can help me. I think you can be pro-black to a fault too. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. You know, and I, I think I think that you know I think that the the reality of the situation is is that it shouldn't matter. Because we're not talking about, you know, the man's love life. Yeah. But I think that when you talk about everything that a person is doing um, in life and it's so, you know, it's, it's on a, a level that's beyond just, you know, your everyday yeah. things. He's trying to he's trying to, uh, you know, encourage and develop and, and, and further his people. 
and think that obviously it looks I'll say because it's not just about the looks no. but at some point if you don't have a black woman um, by your side when you're going through these things and you have say somebody like especially if it's a white woman yeah. you know what I mean if it's not if it's a Spanish chick or whatever you know what I'm saying because at the end of the day we all come from us yeah. but, um, but if you have a white woman I think the difficulty is that at some point if you keep going hard like you go things are going to clash you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah. but does it mean that okay if I'm a black man and I'm married to a white chick that that I, I don't want what's best for my black man and, I, and, I, and my life is going to be somewhat. Because I think that's what happens. When people see that, they say, oh, well, he's not going hard. He's not going 100% yeah. because look who he's married to. Like, yeah. he can't go 100% because he's married to this, you know, non-black female. And that's a whole nother dynamic and yeah. a whole nother conversation because what's happening is a lot of black women are marrying white guys yeah. or dating white guys. They're yeah. down with the swirl and all that. You know what I'm saying? So I think that no matter what, yeah, down the swirl. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, so so I think that you know, and and me personally, like when it comes to that, yeah. it's like when I when I see a black woman uh, with a, with a white man, especially with a white man, the first thing I think about, and I can't stop thinking about it, is man, I wonder if you know how she feels about the the role of that white men played during slavery when it comes to the black yeah. woman. And how does that have an effect on her and her decision to date this guy? But see, that's just me. Yeah. So obviously, if I'm a black man dating, you know, dating a white woman, and I'm out here talking about melanin origins and black this yeah. and black that, people are going to have like those same questions about me. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, we can talk about it. Yeah. And we can discuss it. It has to be something that we discuss. But let's stay on message. Yeah. You know, let's no, stay on message. I don't think I answered your question, man. But no, I, I mean, just my... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going off the dog. Yeah, yeah, man, you gave me your opinion. I mean. Like I said, it's hard situation. Yeah, I've heard it before too. Because I mean, a lot of times, because for me, I one of my uh, white homegirls hit me up one day, and she was like, "Everything you post on Facebook, it's like you're trying to show how black you are or how much you support like the black community." And I was like, well, "I'm not doing anything to show anybody anything. I'm being myself." Right. For you, it may seem that way because I'm exposing you to things that you didn't know about, mm-hmm. maybe that you weren't aware of. But I am proud to be black. But I'm not posting things. To show the world how much I support black people because right. I do it on a daily basis. I've even took criticism for um, uh, for, for doing certain things, but dating white women. Mm-hmm. I haven't dated a white woman in quite some time, but I did. I mean, I dated a, a few before I was in a relationship that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, me, when I dated white women, it wasn't from a perspective of what I feel like young black dudes date white women for. I feel like young white dudes date women, young black dudes date women for now white women because of like what they see on television Uh what they hear about for sexual reasons for monetary reasons Uh because that's just what it is you know I mean and and you do have some white women that anything you say do they'll do it anything you want they'll make sure they purchase it whereas a black woman they grew up with us they know our power but they also know their power a lot of them do not all of them but they also know their power to where they like I bring something to the table too so as well as you may need this this is what I need as well Uh and I think it's it's different because I feel like, honestly, if you date outside of your race because you just, that's what you do and that you fell in love with that person, that's right. cool. That's but right. I, too many times I hear black men be like, I can't date a black woman. Black women are crazy. Right. But I'm going to tell you like this. Yeah. I've been saying it for years. A black woman can make your life a living hell if you get on her bad side. A white woman can ruin your life. Mm-hmm. One bad conversation, one bad argument, she could 
get hit or run into something and bruise ourselves, or even just make a phone call and say, hey, today, look at what just happened to Chris Brown. Yeah. We found out it wasn't true, but the nigga is still going through litigation and other things because she made a phone call to say that he put a gun in her face. He can't even be with his daughter. He alone. can't do nothing. So that's what I tell people all the time. It's okay if you want to date white women, but there are types of white women, just like there are types of black women. You do got the hood black chick. Yeah. You do got the black chick that's middle class That may be a very great black chick mm-hmm. Then you may have the black chick That has made it to a certain status That she's attained And doesn't realize that the things Or the goals that she's shooting for Are the same goals that white people shoot for mm-hmm. Which means you have lost yourself Right Which the one are you one Which that one don't yeah, no That man. don't need no man Right So which one are you dating Exactly But you also got the white woman who is Just like you got a hood chick You got trailer trash just like you got a white girl who's out here trying to make it for herself, and that may be the perfect one for you. You also got the one who's made a little money or their parents have money, but they won't date you or bring you out because they'll lose their inheritance. Mm-hmm. So it's levels to everything. Level seven. And I tell people all the time, talk about what it is. Don't just say, I don't date black women because it is. Right. Because you may be that dude who treated black women like shit, and when they called you on your shit, they called you out as opposed to a white woman who may have called you out but was willing to stay. Right. It's different. And then, and then at the same time, you might be the dude Who's always dealt with hood black chicks? Yeah, you know. So now all of a sudden you don't want to deal with black women because you think all black women are hood black yeah. chicks. Yeah. Like, come and on, that's man. not the case. Yeah, that's your fault. That's your you ignorance. chose that yep. right there. You know, not to say that you can't fall in love with a hood black chick. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying, like, no matter what the level is, you can't, you know, paint a broad brush to say all of the women are like the women that you dated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to me, I mean, I think that that's where the conversation comes in because you know, I want to not not that I want to know, but if we're talking about it. You know, and if you date a white woman, but you on this pro black thing, my thing is, why are you dating this white woman? Yeah. Why, why are you dating this white woman? Because all black women have an attitude. Yeah. If that's your message or that's your reason, I'm gonna have trouble. Yeah. You know, with with certain things. Yeah. But if you fall in love and that's just and who that's you just are, you, you do? don't see color because of you know this particular situation. Yeah. You're in love with this person. How to make you feel? Hey, man, that's beautiful. I but I do think that. it's bullshit when somebody say you can't. You don't see color. <laughs> You can't, yeah, help, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. you can't. You can't help but see. Right, but yeah. if you, but if you see, <laughs> but if you, but if, if a day happens, and because I've been in a situation where I'm like, I was telling, I was telling uh, one of my friends the other day, and I'm always 100 with my girl. I was getting something to eat, and it was a spinach chicken there. And just the way she carried herself, I was like, damn, she's beautiful. Uh-huh. It wasn't because she had a nice ass or long hair. I just saw her, and I was like, she's beautiful. Uh-huh. It's just like when I started dating her, I saw her, and I was like, she's beautiful. And it was something that drew me to her. It wasn't because she was black. Because right, I don't say right. white girls where I'm like, or black girls where I'm like, if I wasn't talking or in a relationship, I'd be trying to talk to her because men know what we like. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at a woman, if you look at her and say, damn, ass, breast, I want to smash, or ass, breast, but it's something about her. Right. It's something bigger. Ambrose, I want to smash. Carrie mm-hmm. uh, Washington, you may be like, I would love to hang out with her and just see if who she is on television is who she is. You already know what Amber Rose is. You already know what you want from her. Right. And men can decipher those things just like women can. People don't really talk to women a lot about what they feel. But women think a lot like men and, th- and they have desires and things that they mm-hmm. want and they have people that they want to get to know. But I think it's just about having that conversation, which is why I try to have this podcast for people like us, mm-hmm. for people outside of that. And for the white people listening, if you want to come in, tell people, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. Hey, listen, white people don't let's want talk to talk about though. it. They don't be wanting to. No, no, no. But see, but the, the problem is. Uh, well, I shouldn't say the problem. I shouldn't say that because that's you know that's coming from a place of deficiency is negative. But the issue, in my opinion, is 
They talk. They just yeah. don't talk to us. Yes. They talk. The listen, listen, they got a lot to say. The conversation when they, is happening. When they, yeah, when they get in That's why you want to say nigga so bad. <laughs> when they listen to their hip hop music, they saying it at home. Oh, yeah. They saying it in they They saying it at the concerts, and they, too. Yeah, and they saying it at the But when they see you, they like, why we can't say this right, shit? I'm yeah. saying it every day, everywhere else. Exactly. Please let me say it. I want to rap the full verse. No edit. Uh, right. If I, look at this. And my thing is, when it comes to that, is that when, when you say, like, if we if we at work or something like that, and then some white person comes on a microphone and says the N word. Yeah. You you saying it in your head yeah, already. You saying it in your head, just, and you putting it in my head. Just yeah, say it. Yeah. Let's talk about. Just it. say it and let's talk. You about know it. what I mean? I, I mean, I would. I'm not saying that we should. Yeah. <laughs> you still putting it in my head. Yeah. You don't get to say that. That's some word. I think it's one of the things that black people just hold power over. It's like yeah, we can no. say it. You cannot say it. Yeah. Don't say it. Don't say just it at don't. all. That's your best part. Make me uncomfortable. Yeah. But so before we wrap it up, man, I'm gonna do the announcements one more time on October 14th again from six to eight. Come out to Wild Detectives Bookstore for the Reality Is Presents Speak Easy and Open Dialogue on Love and Relationships with Intimacy op- Entomologist Expert Dr. Cass Smith. Again, it's limited space available, so it's first come, first serve on seating and standing room. The podcast will start becoming available every Wednesday. We do record Friday through Sunday. So if you want to come on, you can hit us up at info at therealityis.com. That's info at T-H-A, therealityis.com. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, at therealityis.com. Also, you can hit me up at Instagram on Sir Robert Poe or Facebook at Anthony Roberts. And always remember, NL Courage to Excel Success. And y'all have a good one. Thanks for coming out, man. Thanks Thank for you for having us. You, Not a problem, man. We're going to have to do this again, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's The Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's The Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.